so we're in the last week of Jesus and we, and I, I hope you've had some fun with it. We've, um, we've looked at it from a couple different angles. We started off the first week looking at uh, so often in the Christian walk or in the Christian world, especially coming out of Easter, uh, a lot of the Easter languages, he pictured me when he was on the cross, and, and that's true, and that's all appropriate thinking, and it's appropriate to celebrate that at Easter, but uh, coming in right out of Easter, it's easy for us to be you know, Jesus and me, what I can get, how I can be better for myself. And there's a lot of, you know, Christian leadership books and things out there that are your best life now for yourself and this for yourself. And I'm not coming against any of those books. Those are all great books, but it's easy for us to sort of come up with this culture that's like, it's about what I can get from God and what God can give me. And, uh, and it's all about just this me and, me and Jesus, me and God, me and not for others. And uh, we started to look at scripture in the last couple of weeks about how God's commands and God's teachings and the way that Jesus led was he would get something from his father and then give to others. You know, everything in our life should be Jesus and we, or you can say God and we, or what, you know, however you want to say it, but we exist for others. And so uh, we look at, uh, we looked a few weeks ago at Mark 16, 14, Jesus, when he first came back from the, um, from the dead, you know, he said he appeared to the eleven. And, and they were there eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and stubborn refusal to believe. Uh, those went to him and said, hey, you know, Jesus is alive. I'm just going to paraphrase for speed. But they came to him and they said, hey, Jesus is alive, and he's risen, all this kind of stuff, and they didn't believe him. Well, Jesus shows back up on the scene in this chapter, and they're having dinner. And I said it like this. If you've ever been intense about something, you were going to go make a statement, you were because the scripture says he rebuked them. If you're ever going to make a statement or make a rebuke, how many know you think that through? And so you go in there with like, this is what I'm going to say. And these are the words that Jesus said to them all. He rebukes them. And then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so his, his words off the bat about him not be, them not believing is like, hey, go out there and reach people. Go out there and be about God and we and Jesus and we. Go connect with others. Uh, it takes we. Hebrews 10.24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This scripture is for our end times right now. The culture that we live in right now, this writer knew that we'd be in a day like this that says, hey, there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on. There's businesses that are making really stupid statements on behalf of Christians <laughs> and, uh, and it's messy. And then there's, you know, there's Christians being beheaded and there's all of this mess going on. And so what is it important for you to do? It's important for us to, to keep gathering and getting together and encouraging one another and spurring each other on towards good works. Because if you look at the headlines, it would make you want to do what? Quit and stop gathering together and stop being about Jesus and we. Amen? And so the scripture here is saying, hey, even more so, we have to get together and connect and get together. Um, we also read the scripture, uh, you know, especially in our culture. Let me kind of back up here. In our culture, We've created, you've heard me say, we've created this, everything is custom for me. You know, you get in your car and, you know, you can, if you put in your specific key, it adjusts your seat to this and your radio has user one and user two. And, and, you know, there's all these preferences and all these users and all these ways that we can make things all about us instead of about others. And so our society is really set up, you know, I'm not against iPad or iPod or anything, but, but even just the fact that those are called that really speaks to how we live just this I culture of me, 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 me. And, you know, the enemy always does a really good job. He's, you know, if, if you're going to go into war with somebody, you're going to find a way to take out their strength. Well, what is our strength? Unity. So if we can create a culture 
where we become about ourselves and individuals and whatever, we're going to be easily crippled. Amen? And so we talked about how you know, we're called to be contributors. We're not called to be consumers. So there's a lot of churches out there, you know, they create these atmospheres where you just come and you get a little treat and then you get to go home and we're just consumers. And I'm not here to bash any other churches or anything like that, but uh, it's, it's, it's off the mark. We're called to be contributors and to give back and, and that's how God called us to live. And so there's also a lie that we talked about, we believe, and it's this term, um, well, I just need, you know, I need to I need to grow some more spiritually. You know, I just need to work on myself spiritually. And, and a lot of times we don't contribute or we don't make it about others and we don't consider others because we're so busy making ourselves better spiritually. But if you were to go up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, how's your spiritual life? He'd be like, I, what are you talking about my spiritual life? I don't understand. Because in their time, they believe everything is spiritual, every decision you make, how you treat the gas clerk and how you treat the pastor are both the same. Everything is spiritual. Everything we do has spiritual implications. And so there is no such thing as, well, you know, Jesus and me and God and me is my spiritual life. And then over here, it's something different, how I interact with others. It's all spiritual. It's all your spiritual life. And so um, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. They ask him like, hey, what are the greatest of the commandments? And he says that. And then in verse 31, he says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So what is he saying? The two greatest commandments is this, love God, Jesus, and then love your neighbor, we. God and we, God and we. The two greatest things are love God and love others. Love your neighbor. Amen, are you with me? And so transitioning into our last thought of this series, um, I was gonna play a joke on a few people this week. And um, this week we're gonna talk about pride and selfishness. And uh, I was going to play a joke on a few people this week, and I was going to be like, hey, you know, uh, when I was coming up with this message, you were really on my heart this week. But that's it. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> and then when I got up here and was like, I'm going to talk about pride, they would have been like, what? <laughs> so offended. <laughs> but I didn't do that. Um, I almost did it. But so I thought about that. But so you can do this. You can turn to your neighbor and say, this sermon is for you. This one is for you. <laughs> no one's taking me up on that. Like, no. Okay. So here's the truth. Here's the truth. Uh, this sermon is for all of us, <laughs> uh, me included. Because here's the deal. We all struggle with, with pride or with selfishness or, um, you know, just how we can make it about ourselves and make it about ourselves. And, and we love to judge and weigh our selfishness in our heart and whatever. And, and so if you start to strip down at like where you spend your time, it really reveals what you're about. And so if, you, if we looked at your checkbook, all of our checkbooks, you could probably see that a lot of our checkbooks say, and what we spend our money on, me, 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 me. And one of my mentors really was challenging me one time about, well, in your prayer life, are you about others? Like, yeah, I got this prayer list and I pray for my kids and I pray for my future and I pray for my health and I pray for all these things that are honestly my church and I pray for my church people and I pray for a lot of that you can even really lump into yourself what you really, at the end of the day, care about for yourself. And so um, if you take a look at our checkbooks or if you take a look at our schedules, you open your calendar and you look at all these things, you'll see a lot of it is me, me. And a lot of times we, we put in there, well, you know, that's for family and that's for this and that's for whatever. The thing is, those are great ways to gauge how you spend your time and are you selfish? Do you give to others? And so I guess a homework before I jump into all this would be this. Go back and look at, 
the way you structure your money. Go back in the way you look at your calendar and go, you know, where have I put places for others? Not where I'm gaining. Like, oh, I'm going to go do that, but I'm still really going to gain from it. Let, let's take the challenge of going out and looking at how we can make it about we and our calendars and our checkbooks and all of those arenas. Amen? So I thought about this. Um, it's easy for us in church to be like this. Well, uh, you know, I can't be a contributor uh, because I'm not seen. And this is a lie that we believe. Uh, well, you know, I'm not a singer. I'm not the pastor. You know, I'm not the greeter. I'm not the whatever. And so a lot of times we just believe this lie of, uh, well, you know, I'm not seen. It's not a whatever. And we, we put these people up on a pedestal as they're, but here's what I want you to know. I could lose my arm right now, this visible part, right? I mean, like in front of you would be a terrible thing because I'd need to be addressed. But, but I could live without this arm. There's seen parts on my body that I could live without. But could I live without my unseen heart? Like it's inside, it's in, and there's like specific organs and things that I could live without. Uh, you can't live without a brain. I've seen some of you try <laughs> to do that. Um, but there's internal parts that aren't seen, okay? And, and so a lot of us go, well, oh, you know, those things are seen and they're more important. But a lot of times it's the behind the scenes stuff that we do. That is vital, vital to, to this stuff ever taking place or anything else. Say, so in your time, you may not be seen. It may not be seen that you drop fruit off at the Holland Mission. That's a huge, that's a vital organ in the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. It may not be seen that you serve the kids up there on a Sunday. No one's coming up there. You know, everybody's, we don't all leave and go up there and like, oh, thank you for teaching the kids. Vital. It's the heartbeat of what we do. Somebody say amen. And so I want to encourage you uh, when we're talking about others and Jesus and we, and don't, don't be like, well, it's not seen, so it's not important. I would actually argue some of those things are more important. Amen? So here's the deal. When we're talking about selfishness, is it's very easy for us to live in this mindset. It has, if it has no value to me, this is a very selfish, prideful statement. If it has no value to me, it has no value. So a lot of times we'll do that. You know, we have this consumer pick this thing up. Oh, what, what could this do for me? This has no value to me. Therefore, it has no value. And so, so many times in cultures and people that we connect with, we scope them, we look at them, we check them out. Say, oh, that's not going to work for my lifestyle, my beliefs, my thing. So since it has no value to you, we treat it as if it has no value. That's shameful. Somebody say amen. That's a good place to be like, come on, like get me, right? And, and oftentimes that's what we do is we address and we say, oh, it has no value to me, so it has no value. I love this statement. We, as followers of Christ, we need to love beyond our preferences. Well, that's not my preference. I'm going to not be, I'm not going to. We need to love beyond our preferences. And uh, for us to be people, because it's real easy to say, well, I don't believe in that. I'm not a part of that. Therefore, what? You get to be prideful and selfish? No, we get to still love one another and be for one another. Amen. I thought about, um, I got this article that just speaks to our culture. Um, ESPN, they have these apps on our phone and you can put in all your favorite teams. And uh, one thing that you can do is you cut out the things that you don't want to see. So you go, I like baseball, but I don't like hockey, but I like this, but I don't like that. I like these teams, but not these teams. And when they give you updates, you don't have to see all the other stuff you don't want to see. And so it's custom. Well, I got this email that they're literally working towards uh, getting my ESPN channel 
in the future where they want to go with TV is when I go to watch my sports center and get my highlights, my channel will be able to recognize my preferences and I can cut out the things that aren't interesting to me. Isn't that interesting? It already does it on my app, but isn't it interesting that in our... So like our cultures are like, hey, how can we find ways to cut out things that people don't prefer so that they don't have to deal with it? I want to watch my sports. I want to get my highlights, but I don't want to deal with golf. You know, I don't want to... And so we're just creating these systems where it's like, unless it's your preference, you don't have to deal with it. That is a huge robbing of humanity. Somebody say, man, I'm not talking about sports. <laughs> I'm talking about how we interact with one another. We bake all these bubbles and we say, you don't belong in mine, so I don't care about you and you're your own problem. It's, it's ridiculous. And that's not how God called us to live, amen? I thought about this in ministry. I've seen more people taken out of ministry or missed the call of God on their life. Probably more than people who fell sexually, immorally, or fell into money scandal, or fell into, I think people miss God's assignment and their life because of their pride, probably more than all of those other things combined. But you've never seen a church conference that's like, let's, let's have this church conference for pastors where we all go and work on our pride. We do the easy ones, like, oh, we're going to have a marriage conference and be strong. We're going to have a family conference, and all those things are good. But it's pride. It's selfishness. It's this high opinion of ourselves that says, I deserve this, and you aren't good enough for this. And I've seen pride ruin more assignments that God has placed on people's life than I have all those other things. Somebody say amen. So the first fall of pride or of, um, of selfishness we find, of course, is Satan, uh, if you look at Ezekiel 28, 17, we'll kind of pull some themes out of here and then we'll wrap it up. So I got a lot of scripture, but we'll tie it up in a, in a really cool way that you can kind of take home. So Ezekiel 28, 17, speaking of how Satan or Lucifer was an angel and then he fell, of course, was cast out of heaven and, and, and you know, his place hell was made for him. And uh, this is the story of it. Ezekiel 28, 17 says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. You, corrupt, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So let's paraphrase this here. He became proud on the account of what God gave him and blessed him with, and he used it for his own sake and his own agenda. How many of us do the same thing? God's delivered you, he's blessed you, he's equipped you, and then after time, you turn it from, oh God, I'm so thankful for your grace, to I deserve this, I'm gonna make this about my own agenda. I, who would agree? Yeah. So his heart became proud on, on the account of his own beauty. Isaiah 14, 12, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, verse 13, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I will be like the most high. Here's the thing. We weren't created to ever we were created to be worshipers. That's what we're designed to do. We're designed to bring glory into God. We'll actually look at it in a minute. We're designed to be worshipers. We're designed to always be giving glory back unto God. And what was happening here was he was saying, hey, I'm beautiful. I'm great. I'm this. I can get to that. I can be that. I can do it better than he's doing it. Anybody ever think that way and operate that way? Like, hey, I'm, I could be that. Let's keep going. Revelation 5. 
It says, then I looked and I heard the voice of speaking. This is a picture into heaven, Revelation 5.11. It says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in, I heard them saying, blessing and honor, glory and power to be to him who sits on the throne and the lamb forever and ever. And so it's this picture of worship and adoration unto God, unto God. And that's what we were created to do. That's what we are designed to do is always be bringing glory and giving glory to God. And so the fall starts when pride comes in and our mindset starts to say, hey, I'm not going to participate in this gathering of worship or glory unto God. I'm going to start to turn the, the lights, if you will, towards me. I'm going to make things about what I'm accomplishing and what I'm doing and about myself. And, and we step away from what we were created to do here in worship. Uh, the picture is crazy. It's like if you could picture all of these tens of hundreds of thousands of people um, it would be like upper, we have baseball stadiums or we have arenas where you have a layer and then you maybe get an upper deck, but this would be layers and layers and layers upon layers of people worshiping. And it's not like a little golf clap kind of worship where they're like, oh, glory and honor. I mean, it is like your most intense, just constant worship. And uh, the thing about it is that we, the scripture says, participate in that. So on a Sunday morning, one of the most unselfish things you can do, one of the ways that we can lay down our pride is when we come in here and we enter into this worship service that's always going on. It's not about what words we put on this TV or who's singing or whatever. When we come in this place and we sing songs, we're joining into this tens of hundreds of thousands of people who are constantly around the throne worshiping. Somebody say, that's good. And so it's good for us to come here and lay down our pride and say, hey, it's not about me, it's about him, and, and, and I'm worshiping. And so um, I love this thought too. Worship doesn't start whenever our countdown video is like, that's not when worship's all throughout your week. You can join in and participate. Somebody, amen? So in his heart, the devil or Satan at the time, you know, he says, hey, I should be getting some of that, some of that worship. I'm beautiful too. I should be getting some of that. And his heart became proud on the account of his own beauty. And he said, that's good. You know, this stuff is okay, but I'm beautiful. And he tried to get this turned towards him. Pride starts when you refuse to accept your place in God's place. And you say, I don't know if I believe in that. Listen, anytime we get really prideful and we say, I can handle this on my own. I don't need to do it. The, the, the kingdom way, the way that God has designed. I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to do it on my way. What you're saying is, God, I don't accept you as Lord of my life. And I'm not talking about rejecting salvation. I'm saying lordship in your life, someone who you honor with your, your ways of living. You say, God, I'm not going to let you be God right now. Let me be God right now. And I'm going to try to do this on my own. And, that's, and we essentially do the same thing. We say, hey, that's good that you're doing it, but I can do it better. Somebody say, I got it. Does that make sense? And so often we still kind of follow in these same footsteps. And, uh, and so we turn the attention on ourselves. Look at Genesis. It's a great thing. It's not a great thing, but it's a great strategy the enemy's been pulling all the way from the beginning. In Genesis 3, 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, speaking of eating of the tree. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So right here, he was trying to say, kind of deal with the pride and the selfishness, like, oh, God doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to be at the same, you, you're better than that, and starting to build up this selfishness and pride of, yeah, what is God doing? He's holding me down. The crazy thing about it is this, you were created in God's image, and all of the promises in scripture are for you to be blessed. Amen? We just have to fall into those kingdom ways and kingdom principles. And so even the scripture here uh, is saying, look, er, the, the enemy here, even in the beginning, is going like, even from the beginning, I was trying to catch you up in pride. Uh, was saying it like this, you can create your own world. You're good enough. You look at you. You're beautiful. You can create your own world. You don't need God's ways. I thought about it like this. Um, pride shrinks a person's world. The problem with pride is it really shrinks a person's world, and so does selfishness. Because essentially, we get so prideful and we get so about ourselves as we close off these people, and then we eventually close off these people, and we close the door to these people, and we've made it all about ourselves instead of others. And all of a sudden, we're living in a very selfish, depressed, self-serving way, and that's not how God wired you internally to live. And so what do we look at? What do we see in our culture? We've created this culture of selfish and me and my when suicide rates are high. And we have uh, prescription drug abuse taking place like rampant. Why? Because people are going, I've made it all about me. I have all of these things, yet I'm still not happy. Why? Because the right way to live, the way God designed you to live is for others, God and Jesus and we and living for others. Amen? Because pride shrinks a person's world. Isaiah 43, 7 says this, everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, I have formed in him. Yes, I have made him. So God created us for his glory. We were called not to bring glory unto ourselves, but bring glory unto God. And so whenever we step away from bringing glory unto God, it's the same thing. What shrinks our world? You guys having a fun time talking about pride and selfishness? I see that you are. <laughs> okay. I thought about it like this. Um, in our life, it's really easy for us to notice. And I'm just giving you really practical stuff. I'm, I, there's all these tests and checks and balances to tell if you're just operating in pride or you're letting your world be shrunk by pride or selfishness. Um, Caroline does this really funny thing. I don't know if it's her age or I don't know if we really do this a lot, but like she's, she grunts when we do things that like I would grunt to do. And the example would be like putting her in a car seat. So like I'm bringing her with me and I go like, Ugh, and I like make a sound effect. Well, the other day, like she wouldn't pick her up and she was already going like, Ugh, and I was like, maybe I grunt a lot. I don't really know. But there's like these things that come out right away and uh, in our lives. And you, if, you, if you had a recording of yourself, if you had somebody scoring, I wonder in our lives if somebody or something could pick up on the ways that we go, oh, I can't believe that they're doing that like that. If I could do it, it would be, oh, I can't believe, I hate it. I can't stand it when they did it. And we're always picking and we're always like arguing and fighting and shrinking our world based on our preferences instead of love. Somebody say amen. But the scripture says, I formed you for my glory. We should be participating in the glory. I thought about it like this. When pride is alive in us, it won't allow you to participate in others' glory for God. And so in situations when we see things 
that God is doing and we're a part of their life. When we come in and we judge and we label and we, and we say, well, I wouldn't do it like that and I wouldn't whatever, what you're doing is the same thing the enemy did. You're saying, I have the opportunity per, to participate because I'm involved in their glory for God. I, I can enter their story and bring more glory to God or I can take the light and shine it on myself. And God has created us to be among each other, living in unity and not putting the light on ourselves. Somebody say amen. We can't judge what God created, and we do it all the time. Did you see the car they're driving? Did you see, do you know where they're moving? Did you see the thing that they're, did you see how their kids acted? We continue to judge and label and judge and judge and judge instead of participating in bringing glory to God in their situation. Amen? We need to be thinking, how can I interact in bringing glory through that? God chose to put his glory on display in people, in his people. And so we have to figure out how can we help bring glory to God through his people? How can we participate in that? James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God, it says that in scripture, God resists the proud. Like, ugh, no, no, to prideful people, to people who are proud. No, I resist you. That's strong. That's strong. It doesn't say like, oh, God doesn't, you know, favor. God has a, it says he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not think that you are superior. It says you don't even have the right to think you're superior than anybody else. So often we categorize label, oh, that person's lower than me. It says, do not think that you're superior because we're all, the scripture says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. Amen. Maddie, you can come play for us. We'll close with these thoughts. These, are, these next few phrases are good for us to write down and kind of just study the rest of this week. I thought about this. Many people never enter their big picture because they are too focused on their own picture. So many times in our life, God will put you in a situation where if you, if you join up with the big picture, if you get with what God has for everybody, that's where your story happens. That's where God provides it. But we come into a situation and we go, where am I going to shine in that? Where's my light going to be in there? How am I going to be noticed and seen here? And we're evaluating it by what you can get and what you consume. Instead of, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to participate in all of us bringing glory unto God. Too many people miss their big picture because they're so consumed with looking at their own picture. It's, I mean, it's, we have names for it. It's a selfie culture. Let us not be a selfie church. Look at what we're doing over here. Let us be a big picture church. Amen? So don't miss out on your big picture because you're focused on your own picture. Because here's the truth. Job chapter 1 verse 20 says, then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshiped. And in verse 21, then he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We, at the end of the day, haven't earned or done anything. God has blessed us and provided us. That's why the scripture says, by the sweat of our brow, he has given us the ability to produce our wealth and to make a living. It's God who's allowed us to be able to do everything. So we can't get on a high horse about, well, I've done this and I've achieved this and I've this. That, 
we came in naked, we're leaving naked, essentially. But at the end of the day, blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything we have is a gift. Our breath, our body, the ability to move, the sun, the moon, everything that we have in our lives is a blessing and a gift from God. I love this statement. It was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men into angels, right? Most relationships fail because they fight with pride instead of work with love. We spend so much energy with ourselves and with our pride and with our own agenda. With our, and if we spent that kind of energy loving people, we'd all be in heaven, like raptured. We'd be good. Someone say amen. Most of the trouble in the world is caused by wanting to be important. T.S. Eliot said, most of the trouble in the world is caused by people just wanting to be important. Or you could say pride. Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right. We need to be about what is right, not who's right, or I'm right, or you're right, or this. Let's be about what is right. In general, pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. John Ruskin said, in general, pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. Thomas Jefferson said, pride costs more than hunger, thirst, and cold. Hunger, thirst, and cold is not your greatest enemy. Our pride is. Living a selfish lifestyle. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with, humble, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. It's that whole reverse system of God. Do you want to be great? Be a servant. Do you want to do great things and achieve honor? Be somebody who has no pride in their life, who's lowly in spirit. Somebody say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to wrap up the service with an invitation. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I've made some selfish decisions. I've even lived um, a lifestyle that God probably wouldn't approve of. I've been distant from God or I never connected with the things of God. But today you want to make a decision to put him first, to live unto his glory. The scripture says, that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Or if you confess with your heart, with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the scripture says you'll be on your way to heaven. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Um, but today I'm going to give you that opportunity to do that, to get right, to have your sins forgiven, to have your selfishness wiped away. I'm not calling you a selfish person because we're all selfish. We all can identify with this prayer. But if you're here and you say, man, I have this nudging, I have this... It's on the inside of me that, yeah, today's my day to, to make a better choice towards the things of God. If that's you, I want to give you that opportunity to pray. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any kind of way. But right in your seat where you are, when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand. And then all of us as a church will pray this prayer together with you. So you won't be singled out in any way. But with nobody looking around, if you're here and you say, lead me in that sinner's prayer, I want to make a commitment for Christ today. When I count to three, 
Just raise your hand. One, two, three. See that hand? Anybody else? See that? Okay, cool. You can put your hands down. If you're in here and you're like, ah, I, I couldn't raise my hand, I'll encourage you this. Still pray this prayer. If you want to make that decision, your hand being raised isn't the big deal. The big deal is that, this, like the scripture says, you believe in your heart. So let's all pray this. Let's say this. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.